listening to the Give Me Five podcast. Wait, it's not my turn. <laughs> Stepping on my line. You're I'll listening to the Give Me Five. Po- you're now you're doing it again. <laughs> you're listening to the Give Me Five podcast. Son of a bitch, you people. <laughs> you're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode one thirty six. Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia movies, and all sorts of entertaining things. My name is Chet Sizzlechest, and I'm joined by an 85-year-old retiree. That would be me. That's exactly who that I was thinking about. Totally who that is. Yep. And a sentient potato. God, both of them are oddly accurate. I thought the sentient potato one probably wasn't too accurate but it sounded funny and it made me laugh as i typed it uh also i may have had some uh i may have had a vodka and kalua milkshake this evening Ooh. before recording <laughs> greg's feeling saucy tonight yeah and after the episode <laughs> i will fight rob in the street <laughs> i did i was i was with, up with fake lances and we'll ride motorcycles exactly uh this week speaking of what rob just said we are going to talk about a movie that I picked without knowing literally <laughs> anything about it except for the description. And I will be honest, uh, it is a movie that the description says something about a Renaissance Fair touring group involving motorcycle jousting. And I thought, one, that's badass. Two, this is something Rob might actually enjoy since the last movie I picked he did not. And I was trying to be nice. And yet I feel like I have to apologize for making him watch the 1981 film Night Riders. Yes, oh, and God. we'll get into we, that. We will get into that. I'm sorry, people. Uh, also, I would like to talk about the TV show slash streaming st- streaming show, Stargirl, which is delightful. <laughs> Literally the exact opposite of the 1981 film, Night Riders. Excellent. No jousting. Well... None. Well, yeah. I guess it's not really jousting. I mean, but she does have that that pole staff thing. Yeah, she rides that pole. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna feel bad after you say that when I tell you this this the secret behind her her story. Oh God! Well, this is a review show, and we're probably gonna spoil some stuff. I mean, we try we're to not. avoid major twists, but I don't know that there's a whole lot of major twists involved. Uh, we might spoil the crap out of some Stargirl, but let's be honest, you're probably not going to watch Night Riders, and we probably wouldn't suggest it either. <laughs> Unless but- you watch it using one of our lovely links on Amazon that we post with the episode, at which point, feel free to watch it to give us the credit. Or at least sure. click it. Yeah, buy it and never watch it. Click it, baby. Click it. But if we are talking about something you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, use your own discretion. Come back later because we're going to spoil it. We're going to spoil. So we've got a lot of news here. That's older than a month. What's older than a month? The milk that's going to spoil. We're going to spoil it. The milk's Uh, gone bad. 
We've got a lot of news here. Let's get right into it. I think all three of us have seen the Bill and Ted Face the Music or Bill and Ted 3 trailer. Is that correct? It, it Had you guys actually seen it before I sent it to you? Yes. Yes. Ah, oh, shit. I was hoping I could, like, discover actually, something for you. It actually popped up on – it was available on my phone screen when I woke up that morning. Because mm. my phone knows what I want. Yeah. That, um, that and none porn. Man, no. all right. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not sure where to take that, but all right, let's go. House waiting for a lightning bolt. Uh, so Bill and Ted 3, the trailer, what'd you guys think? It's very black and white. That was an unborn joke. Don't make a habit out of that. Yeah! Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, Jimmy, you, you win that one. That one was Thank better. Thank you very much. Uh, trailer looks good. I, I guess uh, about what I had hoped for. Mm-hmm. I think still very much in the spirit of Bill and Ted. And uh, Keanu Reeves will, will save us all in 2021. Alex, Wilt- Alex Winter did not. Alex age. Winter as well. No, he did not. No, you can see it. Like when when Keanu shaves now, you're like, oh, you know, you're fifty. <laughs> you're fifty. Uh, Alex Winter. I mean, no, it's it's maybe weird. in Bill and Ted's bogus journey when they turned him into the cyborg. That's the one that they left. Maybe Alex Winter is actually a cyborg, and the real one got killed. Maybe. What do you think, yeah. Rob? Um, I, <laughs> I, I was just excited to see the Bill and Ted three and I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's good. I'm looking forward to it. And I think Greg, you posted on our, on our Instagram. And I was like, that is, that is the best sentiment ever where you said, would everyone please wash your damn hands so I can go see this in the theaters this summer. Mm-hmm. Mm. I saw the first two in the theater. Uh, the first one I didn't see day and date, but the second one was one of those I was waiting to come out i love the soundtrack i rushed out to the theater to see it Boynton beach theater actually oh right, right. so not 2021 2020 yeah, yeah August, 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 he's going to uh a, 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 a salvage whatever's salvageable i guess i yeah. my favorite part of the trailer is when they meet their i i guess future selves or whatever past selves in the prison <laughs> and they're all jacked up they're just like jacked up and tattooed he has an excellent tattoo across his stomach <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was there was one scene in the trailer that i looked at it and i'm like th- there's a scene where keanu and i don't think you notice alex because i don't think he's actually looking at the camera but i think it's it's keanu looks at the camera and gives like this this arm wide shrug or whatever and it the scene almost looks like an old guy trying to look like he still knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know what I like, 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 you know, you, you see, you see like a musical performer come on the stage and you can very clearly see when they walk onto the stage that they just haven't got it anymore. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're slower. You, they, they don't jump as high or they're like, like if they do the jump yeah, or the split, or, they don't split anymore. I mean, it just it just had this look like, well, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing here. So I'll do this. And I was like, uh, I, I, well, we'll see. I bet that's going to be very self-aware. Maybe. Like, I Maybe. think they're going to have fun with that. Mm-hmm. Like a plot point, even. 
So moving on from that, we've talked about this movie. Uh, let's see, we're at episode 136. So we've talked about this movie probably about 138 times. Uh, Event Horizon. There Ooh. is a Blu-ray, a new Blu-ray release coming out from Screen Factory. I'm not sure if it did we discuss if it had a Blu-ray before. I'm not sure if it did, but I don't know. Either way, I'm, um, I'm not and tell sure. me why I should buy this, Craig. Is there additional features? There is additional features. <gasps> what are these additional features, <laughs> so, Craig? Uh, basically, the story with, with uh, this movie is that the first cut of it was so gory and gruesome and horrifying that Paramount freaked the hell out and made them make cuts. So there is a cut out there that does have all of the gore in it somewhere. Are we going to get an unedited one? Maybe. I would buy the shit out of that. See, there, it's a big maybe because... there It's it, not a good sign when they, they're, they've they announced the Blu-ray and they're like, oh, by the way, if anybody can uh, find that footage for us, uh, hit us up. Yeah. Aww. Well, see, here's the deal. So, uh, Anderson, the director, he has, a, he has a VHS copy of the movie that he bought from someone yeah that supposedly has all he bought it from someone that's legit but he supposedly has all this extra footage on it (laughs) but he has never been in a place with a vcr at the same time that he's had the vhs tape so either he's in spain and he lives in spain now but the tape is in los angeles or he and he finds a vcr and like i don't know and he doesn't want to trust it to be shipped across the world so it is possible that we'll end up with this, but I'm not entirely sure. But at least it's on people's minds, and it is possible that people can see it. So you you might have got that story a little mixed up, but that's okay. Uh, did, uh, I, did, I, did I mix it up? I was just reading a reference. Well, it's it's uh, the tape is allegedly in the hands of the producer. Oh, uh, okay. Who who? Uh, I guess hasn't uh, viewed it, but uh, I've tweeted him a few times. I think the the last tweet to him um, after a article on Bloody Disgusting came out asking for the extended cuts of certain movies. Um, I tweeted him and said, "Hey man, uh, I'll I'll do it. Just send me the damn tape." Um, <laughs> of course, I got no response to that. But, just a just a restraining order from his lawyer. Um, not surprised. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Hopefully, 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 uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully they find it and, and put it on there. Yep. So now you've got a lot of uh, combined news. It looks like Jimmy. I do. I can combine these three stories, so uh, they won't. Rob is is laughing. I I was reading the link on the Evil Dead one that says the Sam Raimi handpicked hole. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> he sure did. Uh, Sam Raimi handpicks the hole in the ground director. Um, <laughs> to 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 finish that, Lee Cronin who directed uh, Hole in the Ground, I have not seen that yet, has been handpicked by Sam Raimi to direct the next installment in the Evil Dead franchise. I didn't even know it was still going. So this is exciting. It is, uh, as so far, not a direct sequel to the uh, fantastic remake 
by Fede Alvarez. Um, I, I don't believe, I mean, you can't really hope for it at this point that uh, Bruce Campbell is going to be involved. He's probably not going to be in it, as are none of the characters from the most recent. But that is good news to see that it is on the hearts and minds of some people. It's always on mine. And I'm very excited to see that uh, Evil Dead, the original 1981 film, will be coming to drive-in theaters starting on the uh, 13th of June, actually. In, Do we have one of those? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's one in Claremont. Um, now, it's it's making its debut uh, somewhere up north, Massachusetts, I believe. But hopefully... We will see that it's the film that Stephen King called the most ferociously original horror film of the year in 1981. I I felt that was notable because it's on the cover, the poster for the film, and we may be talking about Stephen King here in a little bit. Bruce Campbell tweeted, be scared and be safe uh, in a little... A, a little more sad news related to Evil Dead... Uh, Jake from Evil Dead 2, played by Danny Hicks, has been diagnosed with stage four cancer. He's mm. been given one to three years to live. Uh, he says on social media to all the people that I never got to meet and the 6,018 diehard fans that enjoyed my work. I have some bad news. I've been diagnosed with stage four cancer. I have approximately one to three years to live. But I got to tell you, I sure as hell packed a whole bunch of living into my 68 years. I got no change coming back, that's for sure, and not too many regrets. Okay, I got to go. I'm going to find out just what in the hell is going down in that fruit cellar. So uh, a, a very, a very, uh, uh, I guess, endearing approach to uh, the end. You can visit GoFundMe.com forward slash F forward slash help hyphen Danny hyphen Hicks to donate to help with some of his metal, medical expenses and hopefully by uh, publishing of this it will be fully funded so um, definitely help out if you can does anyone have any uh, other news I do have one more piece of news but I also sure. think Rob wanted to mention something as well oh um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I think I talked about the, one of the accessories that I was looking for. Was the, this for your uh, anal vibrator? It, it, it was actually, and it's got extra buttons now. Oh, excellent. Um, <laughs> it's for the PlayStation four <laughs> controller. Um, yes. I, I'd been looking around and I tried a couple of the really expensive controllers. Um, I tried the strike pack, the $37 strike pack. Well, Walmart actually just got in stock again, the PlayStation back button accessory. And I actually picked it up the other day and I tried it. Okay. You found them? Cool. I I bought two of them. I friggin' love this thing. Excellent. It, it puts the, the back buttons in just the right spot. So it's super convenient and very easy to use. It's got... I didn't I didn't realize this, but it's got three programmable profiles. So the thing comes with like three different channels and you can just basically switch channels on the fly in between games. Um, so 
this this will be my go-to. I, I won't even spend any more on the expensive controllers because all I need is this. And I think I got it for like 20 bucks because um, it, it might have just been in the wrong spot. Uh, the Walmart I went to today had it for 29 um, but where I got it from the other uh, last week, it was it was priced at twenty. I don't know if I actually paid that for it because I didn't check the receipt. But that's awesome. But I highly recommend it if you can yeah. find it and you're looking for for a back button for your PlayStation remote. The, it is the most inexpensive way to do it. And when your remote goes, what or when your um, controller goes, which they inevitably do, the joysticks wear out. Uh, you just unplug it from your controller and you just plug it into the new one. Excellent. I have a little update to something you talked about last time, Rob. Okay. Um, pertaining to the reopening of Universal. Ooh. Um, what you got? The Hagrid ride um, is mm-hmm. the only ride that doesn't need to skip rows as each seat is six feet apart. Ooh. So interesting. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sean, for um, for bringing that to our attention. So although all the times that I've ridden it, they've skipped like a crap load. (laughs) (laughs) People are so the problem is, is that people are spaced so far apart in the line Mm -hmm. and the ride loads so quickly that they can't Uh, load all of the seats. Right, right, right. They get people out there and they get them in as fast as they can. It's just they can't load all the seats like the like the doom buggy is almost Mm -hmm. just keeps moving. Right. Cool. Now, just to close out our news sequence here, I'm sure you guys have seen the brand, not brand new, but the newest Geico commercial with the lovely suburban couple sitting on their couch talking about how they found the perfect house, but it has a rat problem. Ah, Have you seen it? Yes. Uh, So they talk about having a rat problem. It's it's a great school district, et cetera. It's got a rat problem. And then they cut to the kitchen and the 80s hair metal band Rat is performing a song. In there, <laughs> performing yeah. these long uh, round and round in the kitchen. So uh, awesome. awesome. And then, like you know, they always do that little tag at the end where it's like another little thing, and they they show her like getting her laundry out of the machine, and they're all in the group basement playing, and she's like, oh. <laughs> "So can't get around this damn rat problem." Now that commercial is awesome. Just last week, we talked about eighties metal and how you know it took a it was a huge money maker, and everyone pretends like it didn't happen and whatever, and it's. Everybody, everybody pretends to shit on hair metal. Yeah, despite the fact that and hair you, metal was awesome. You all shut your fucking you mouth. No, kickstart my heart comes on in the car, and you're dry. You look down, you're driving twenty miles more. Don't <laughs> even with that shit. Twenty right. miles faster. Sorry. Yep. Talk dirty to me, Jimmy. Talk dirty to me. But and anyway, Jeff Leopard was part of that, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. And and everybody loves some pour some sugar on me. Def, Le- Def Leppard pour some sugar on me was actually the top video ever played on MTV for a little while. It actually beat Thriller for a little while. So there mm-hmm. you go. Without pour some sugar on me, we wouldn't have tracks like Dog Fashion Disco's "Pour Some Urine on Me." See, so without pour some sugar on me, half of our listeners might not even be here, depending on what their parents were doing in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And we would have no students. Anyway, so round and round has re-entered round and round is the song that rat sings in the commercial. It has re-entered the billboard top 20 for the first time since 1984. As a result of this commercial. Hell yes. It hit number 12 on the billboard hot 100 in 1984. It has re-emerged 
on the um at number 18 on the rock digital digital song sales but still that's massive for a song that hasn't been really heard a lot on the radio since that's 1984 so awesome uh the band basically said, thank you for all of our fans. Old new have pushed rat to the charts this year. It's 2020, the year of the rat. R-A-T-T, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, did an, uh, they are going to go on tour when that is actually a thing. Basically, there is an interview with Stephen Percy, the lead singer of rat. Uh, he did an interview with Eddie Trunk, who is basically the rock interview guy on the mm-hmm. radio and VH1 and said that they're, they're, uh, agent basically reached out to him and were like, well, do you guys want to do this? And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? And yeah, their agent needs a raise. First of all. Yes. Uh, second of all, it's just, it's awesome that that's a thing. It's a, it's a great commercial. It's a great little joke. Yeah. Uh, I, I love when this shit happens. Um, it happened for Europe. Yep. Um, with the, the final kind final countdown. Um, <laughs> did it happen for Eddie Money? Yep. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I've got two tickets to paradise. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, man, I love it. No, no, no. It's 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 four. It's four. <laughs> <laughs> Those commercials are great. The you don't stop hating uh, on hair metal. Yeah. So that that's what I got there for my uh, for for the news. Well, at least some of the I, news. I do have one more observation that I just now noticed. I yes. am not wearing pants. No, you're oh, both you... wearing Goonie shirts. We're both wearing the <laughs> Goonie shirt. <laughs> Goonies never say die. You're both wearing Goonies. That is awesome. Good. Call. And I just noticed that. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, Jimmy, did you not get the memo that it was Goonies Night on the Give Me Five podcast? No, I didn't. I thought we were going a different direction with that. Nice. Space. Yeah. Well, so, close enough. We did talk about it. <laughs> cool. Well, is this next story is not about people dressing like each other, but probably not. No, but we, we you know, when you were a kid and y- your dad would like let you drive the car for a little bit. So wait or, a minute. Or uh, wait a, air quotes let you drive the car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. WTF, what, what are we talking about? We are talking about WTF. Thank you, Rob. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Florida. Welcome to Florida. What do yeah. you have for us, Greg? So I used to remember that. my You know, my dad would let me, quote unquote, drive the car. But he'd, he'd, you know, he'd keep his hands low on the steering wheel. Yeah, keep his hands on the steering wheel. His, mm-hmm. his low in your lap. hands. Wow. His <laughs> feet would be on the gas. that out. <laughs> his his uh, feet would still be on the gas in the brake. And he'd be like, OK, you could drive down the street. You know, that kind of thing. Well, that's because at least Jimmy and myself did not grow up in Florida. So our our fathers did not let us drive the jeep for real a florida man is facing felony charges after police said he he let his let his 12 year old a 12 year old girl drive his suv and he said he did it because he wanted to be a cool father the twist here he's not even the little girl's dad So he God. wanted to be the girl's cool All father. Right. He's not, he's not her dad. Uh, Sean Michelson, forty-one years old. Is he at least re- dating the girl's mom? Uh, he's friends with the girl's mother, and was and basically they were just staying at his house and went out and he was he was drinking 
surprise. Oh, and on course. the way home, he decided to let her drive. So, uh, <laughs> Jupiter officer, this was in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, officer Craig, Craig Yoakum said in his police report, he spotted the Jeep make an illegal U-turn and speed away at about twelve uh, ten a.m. And you said that I was a bad dad for letting my child be up at like ten. <laughs> twelve a.m. Uh, this past Monday, always be worse. Midnight. Yeah. Did he exactly. take the kid to the bar? I guess so. And have he her fall- drive him back? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, hey, so when you need a DD, man. <laughs> yeah. Borrow one from your friend's preschool or whatever. <laughs> Put an elementary school. Uh, Prop no, up the car middle, seat and let him go. <laughs> yeah. He followed and the Jeep reached speeds of 85 miles per hour. <laughs> in, in a 45. And then oh he finally God. pulled the car over. Uh, when he asked the 12-year-old why she was driving so fast, he, she said that Michelson told her to drive that fast because it would be cool. Uh, Hell so he, yeah! Course, I'm a cool with, dad! Go faster! He is uh, uh, charged with child neglect, allowing an unauthorized person to drive, and this is not in the news story. But somewhere along the line, she also admitted that that he bought her a bunch of vape pens while they were out because you know oh, they asked god wow so this guy was absolutely trying to impress 12 year old girl a 12 year old girl or her mom whatever and was like you know what let's drive really fast while i'm drunk and i'll get you some vape pens mm. <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> wow. that is uh hard for the course for our great state of what's funny what is that's actually that's usually that's tame for florida usually usually but i i wanted to, to tame things down like rob did last week yeah i mean it's really not surprising yeah that that now so we'll, we'll move into our topics here yes. i know rob has watched this show i have not and i know jimmy isn't no, jimmy just told me he's not i did not know that but i love this show i'm going to talk about star girl now and uh, there's been three episodes, technically four. I just haven't watched the fourth one yet. That was last night. Uh, so Stargirl, it is a show. Let me give you guys the usual information here. If I can find it on the list here. Blah, 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 blah. There it is. Uh, it started on DC Universe, the streaming service, and the CW on uh, May 18th. But... On the DC Universe, they play it, it goes live, and then the next day it runs on C- the CW. It's also available on CW Digital. It stars uh, Breck Basinger as Stargirl, not related to um, Kim, Kim Basinger. Yeah, I thought it might have been, but she's not. Uh, Luke Wilson, Amy Smart, Yvette Montreal, Angelica Washington, and a whole bunch of other people. Oh, I do that, love Amy Smart. Yeah, that was. Uh, we'll talk about that in one moment, too. Um, and, oh, I had a, well, I'll ask the question in a second. So uh, teenager Courtney Whitmore joins the Justice Society of America based on the character from the DC comics. Now, I was going to do this question a little earlier, but we kind of got into conversations. Uh, This is sort of a snap decision, but it was something that this show made me think about. Um, Is there any like sci-fi or fantasy or horror tropes that like immediately get your attention? Like, you know, I love exorcism stories so i'm gonna love this movie or i love you know uh treasure hunting stories so i'm gonna love this kind of movie is there any sort of tropes or that Greg loves get? teenage girls so he loves this movie or this series no it's not just teenage girls there's there's a spandex <laughs> thing there too 
I like spandex. <laughs> um, I I have to say that I do enjoy um, plots that involve like epic quests. Okay. That that are like in in fantasy movies and stuff, like you know, like um, Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff. Um, a group of people banding together to go off and have to find something and walk as in. as well as as well as like rescue. Okay. Like when it comes to like sci-fi movies, I love like rescue missions and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I'm gonna have to say, and you guys know this, I'm a sucker for found footage films. That puts me okay. in a very lonely position. Um, and uh, possession films. Huh? Okay. That's funny. That was, that was my example when I yeah. actually wrote the possession. Um, I'm always willing to give one a trance, and um, ooh, probably alien visitation. Ooh, so bright light well, outside of the window. Yeah, fire in the sky, dark skies. People being beamed up. Plenty of anal probes. Even signs from that that hack in Night Shyamalan. That is my wife's favorite joke about me because I. Away. I always I always leave a glass of water on my nightstand. And if I leave more than one, she's like, the aliens aren't coming tonight. Please bring those to the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Why do you ask, sir? I ask this because it's one of those things I didn't realize until I was started watching this. And it occurred to me that I really love like generational superhero stories to where you like where you see someone take up the mantle of like the superhero that their parents had uh-huh. or even, and, and also like where, where superhero teams are like considered a family, mm-hmm. so, like, like fantastic four, where it's kind of like this warm feeling and it's, there's like a, a hopefulness to the story. And I realized it because as I was, I was watching it and there's a lot of generational stuff in there in this particular show. I was reminded that I had a couple of, of books based on the Justice Society of America, which was never really my thing. But I remember picking up these books and like being immediately transported back. So I rushed out and grabbed them and whatever. But the and I'll talk about those again in a second. So this, this show in general, the the opening episode actually starts off pretty dark for basically the what the show actually is. It's, it starts off with the original Justice Society of America, which is really well-designed, which I think, don't you think, Rob, like the some of the characters in there? It's got... Yeah. Like, they just got cool classic heroes like Dr. Midnight and Dr. Fate and... I don't uh, really know who any of them are, but I yeah, imagine like, that they explain that a little bit later. Yeah, they're DC heroes that Dr. were... Dr. Fart. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I don't have my doctorate in that yet. I'm working on it. Yeah, the, you seem to work on it every episode. And <laughs> <laughs> eh, well, uh, so basically, the the Justice Society of America. They actually, I think they came out before the Justice League of America in the comics. And they were the comics history is weird because it started off as just like these like individual characters, and there was no like ongoing stories. If you know, and one one is. One issue, everyone could find out who Superman is, and the next issue, no one pays attention to it. Like, they just didn't do it. They didn't have ongoing mm-hmm. stories. And the other thing was, is a lot of the superheroes were owned by different companies because everyone needed a superhero. So, like, okay, uh, my guy's Bulletproof Man, my guy's this. And then Marvel and DC were the last two standing, and they kind of absorbed all the things. That's why there's sometimes these, like, very strange heroes, not Marvel so much, but in DC, there's some heroes and some stories that don't really line up with the rest of the, the thing. But anyway, um, justice society has like 
that's where the flash with the helmet, like you've, you used, you guys are used to the flash with the all red uniform and the little things on his ears, but there's that right. one that has like the, the, the Brody Mer- helmet. Is that the, like the metal, like mercury the, looking helmet? Yeah. It's like a flat pan kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 So that's where like that comes from. And the, the green lantern that inexplicably is wearing red, that one. It's like that, they're from the justice society. So, Basically, at the very beginning of the show, you basically see the Justice Society get eviscerated by the Injustice Society. Clever name. Um, including wow. a pretty badass – I mean, this is historical 50s comics. That's mm-hmm. what you get. Uh, a pretty badass-looking uh, Solomon Grundy who Ooh. is Born fucking fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tuesday. Um, and basically eviscerates all of them except for one. Um, so Rob, you said you saw this first episode. Well, I was, I thought that whole sequence was really good for a TV yeah, show. It was, and they, they, right at the beginning, they drop you right into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is like the backstory and the, the prologue for the, uh, for the series. And they just drop you right into the middle of this giant battle. Um, Starman's assistant is just racing to the, to the hall of justice, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. Um, where there's this battle raging and all of them just get, obliterated and the bad guys all win, which is not something that you see very often. Yep. So it turns out that the, the, the assistant is really the only one that's left. His name is Pat Dugan, uh, played by, uh, not Owen Wilson, Wilson. Luke Wilson. Wilson. Yep. And he, and so, you know, time goes on. It's about 10 years later or so. And there's a, there's a little girl that they show who's sadly waiting for her father to come home. And he never does because, she didn't know that his father was a superhero, but he was. And she's sitting there on Christmas Eve when this happens, and she's waiting to give him a present. It's very sad. And time goes on. They decide to inexplicably move from – I think they're in California. And they inexplicably decide to move to Nebraska for whatever reason. And the mom of this girl has moved on with a new guy and got married to him. And it turns out that he is the assistant of this guy, which I, there's a little bit of creepiness there, but it's not – presented as creepy but anyway throughout the move this girl finds the staff the the um, cosmic staff i believe it's called and she becomes star girl um and so far the first three episodes have been great i've very much enjoyed them i didn't i i knew nothing about the show going in because i thought it was only going to be a streaming thing Mm -hmm. so I, i didn't want to get involved in it um turns out that it is show run by a guy named jeff johns who uh, is one of my favorite DC Comics writers from you know, f- 10, 15 years ago and recently, but I liked his stuff 10, b- about 10 years ago. Um, now, he's, his words were he really wanted to set the tone of the show to Back to the Future and E.T., so somewhere in that level. And mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it works. Um, now, the one thing I thought was kind of neat is the character Stargirl is based off of... Uh, Jeff Johns's sister, and this is kind of a sad part. Um, she had she actually died in TW Flight 800 in 1996. Um, oh, so wow. she she was like one of those. She was she was 18. He was a little younger, I think. He was really adventurous. Was heading overseas to go you know study abroad, and she was one of the people that died on the flight. Her name is Courtney Johns. The character Star Girl was Courtney. And he based all of the characteristics on her when it was in the comic. And now she's in this thing. He said it's the easiest character he's ever to write because he put, he basically said, as he said, 
my sister was a ball of energy and so optimistic and unafraid. I wanted to try to capture some of that in a character that would be around forever. And I thought the question I was, I started an interview with him and my first thought was that would be really hard to write something bad about your sister. Who's not with you anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. have her make a bad decision or have even something like a boy standing her up or whatever. And the, the person that asked the questions was just a website. I don't know which one he asked, is it hard giving flaws? Because she's based on his sister. And he's like, basically, he says, there's no better person to point out your sister's flaws than the brother. I'm like, eh. I guess you're right. He's like, I'm not going to make her perfect because she wasn't. You know, she had flaws and that was part of her and whatever. And I thought that was a really cool way of doing it. And I immediately mm-hmm. liked that character. Uh, the brother, not so. The brother, I'm still a little iffy on, but... You're about, to say, you're about to say something. <laughs> well, I I saw the first episode, and there were there were a couple of well, not a couple of things. It, it just came up a couple of times. There were some things that I had trouble with because the first episode leaned a lot on the plot mechanics or the the pushing of the plot forward by people not doing things that I would view as because I'm going just just. Just say, just tell them what I'm like, what is the problem? I, I don't understand tell what, why tell, tell the father or the stepfather or yeah, well, tell, tell the stepfather, tell the mother. She's like, she's like, oh, well, he never came home and blah, blah, that, that whole argument that they had. And I'm like, tell her what's going, tell her what you found or, you know, I mean, and that, that solves the whole problem right there. I'm like, the, well, the mom the, never knew. Okay, did did the mom never know that he was a superhero? I believe that's the case. Okay, but but the assistant definitely sure did. as hell did know. And when she showed him the picture of her father, he couldn't go, Oh my god, that's Starman. Really? Yeah. I'm like, just show him the locket. That's all you have to do. Show him the locket. When he sees the picture, and then it's like Oh, okay. Because she saw the picture and then she's got the picture in the locket and she wants to show it to him. It's a group photo of like all of the superheroes sitting at the table, you know, like. Right. uh, But of but of anybody in the household, his assistant should know what the guy looks like. And she should be able to show him the picture from her locket and go, this is my dad. And he should go, oh, my God, your dad was Starman. Oh, let's try and figure this out. But no, we don't do that. And in fact, in fact, it goes on this whole long drawn out thing. And I'm like, does it? Well, I, I don't remember if it was episode, that episode or episode two where he was like, yeah, basically, I was trying to keep that from you because he was he was okay, the one. Yeah, because he did not he say that, that he admits he's like, I took I'm not in that picture because I took it. Right. He did not say that at all in the first episode, which yeah, okay, was what so I had a problem with. I'm like, okay, so that, that's episode two, then I'm like, just show him the locket for Christ's sake. What is going on? He's basically trying to protect her because the the quote unquote Injustice League is so much more powerful than mm-hmm. what's left. So right. he's, he's trying to keep her from doing that because of so he's he's lying to her on purpose. Uh, there but is then, one. Okay. But then my question is, is did he hook up with them because he knew that she was his daughter or was it just kind of chance that he hooked that up with this part, lady? Was a little weird. Like if it was chance, that's stupid. Yeah. Um, if and, it was, and if, if it, it was, hey, if it was keep, an eye, keep an eye on my family, because if something ever happens to me, and then he fell for them, that's and, still. And then pretty, he marries her, and he's stooping the mom. Yeah, I mean that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I am wondering if they're going to show that. There's a lot of flashbacks in the show, as you mentioned. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering about that. Uh, there's a couple other little things. One, the robot is awesome. Uh, it is this this red and white robot that named Stripes, which uh, that which that guy, the stepfather, Dugan makes, mm-hmm. uh, based off of a. Uh, I had to look it up. It is a red and white 1955 Buick Special Hardtop, which is a gorgeous car, and I want one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they build the the robot sort of based on the style of that. So definitely it's a good looking robot and it's different than anything you've seen. Is really that like. why they call him stripes? Well, yeah. Cause he was at, when he was the, the sidekick, mm-hmm. he was, um, it was St- star man and stripes or stars and stripes. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Mm. So, uh, there's one other thing that I thought was, Oh, and there's also a bulldog in the uh in the series which is awesome i I am i am pro bulldog in tv so there you go um i highly suggest it i've it's different uh if you like that type of story like i was talking about like generational stories there is a story uh that you can get in trade paperback in comics world of justice society of america it's two books it's called thy kingdom come it's it's uh not the kingdom come story but it's actually a it's based on it to where Justice Society ha- basically accidentally pulls some of the characters from the Kingdom Come universe into their own universe. But it's at the point when the team is like building okay. and it's, it's just a it's a good, uh, hopeful, fun story that really takes your mind off of the world. So I've been I've been reading that now. That being said, I've I've got a question that's unrelated to, to Stargirl, but is related to comics. Mm hmm. Um, I was at Walmart today and I saw a comic for uh, Justice League or something like I don't remember what the comic was, but on the front, it had a character that was using like the uh, the symbol that you see in a lot of uh, the that Dr. Strange has on his hands in the movies and stuff like that. OK, like that, uh, that sigil. Um, that, yeah, like the, the mystical sigils or whatever. <laughs> um, and when I looked at the list, I'm like, oh, is that Di- wait, who the hell is that? Because this is D.C. <laughs> Does mm-hmm. DC have a character named Adam Strange? Yeah. And is that, he basically Doctor Strange? No, this is Adam Strange is the opposite of uh of Shazam. He's the so Shazam has all the the light, bright, good powers, and Adam Strange is like the 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 ying to the yang or the yang to is the that, Is that the guy that, that they called Black Adam? Oh wait, no, oh, Adam Strange. I'm sorry. Black a- I thought yeah, Black, Black Adam, Adam. No, was. Sorry. The- I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh, I'm dumb. Bad. Bad. Shame me. Bad comic Shame. nerd. Bad. Adam. Sorry, Adam Strange is a like a space ranger type with the the typical ray gun with the little like ball at the end of it, okay. uh, and like the little red helmet with the flare thing. Um, he is he is a human that ended up on some other planet. And was basically joined into their like fighting core. So think jetpacks and does, uh, does he have mystical powers? Not at all. No. Oh, then who the hell was on? Who am I looking? Who was I looking at on the cover? Uh, if the comics you probably saw are these Walmart exclusive comics, which came out from DC recently, they're they're oversized uh, stories, and mm-hmm. they're actually written by uh, Brian Michael Bendis, and it's they're from what I've heard, they're really good. Hmm. Um, like there's a Batman one, a Superman one, and usually those straight to store ones suck because mm-hmm. it'll be like you'll read it and the whole story will be about like you know 
Batman is trying to get more Nestle quick. <laughs> Batman needs a Slurpee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the wheel. Someone stole the wheels from the Batmobile, and you have to. You uh, need a stickless corn dog from Seven Eleven. Exactly, but this is. Uh, these are actually good. So I have to. I guess this is this. I might. I'm looking for it right now. Looks like is it uh, Justice League Volume One: The Totality? No, that's not it. Eh. I'll have to look that up. I was actually thinking about grabbing those because I've been doing a lot of reading recently. Hmm. But either way, um, guys, I like the show. So Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Grundy. Mm-hmm. I like that character a lot. He might be one of my favorite DC villains and would probably be my favorite DC villain if the Joker didn't exist. Hmm. So let us move on. Let us to a movie that I didn't know existed and neither did you guys. I don't think. Nope. Nope. So we are talking, of course, about our movie of the week. That I picked to pacify Rob and went exact horror blew up horribly in my face. Oh yeah. <laughs> Night Riders. Absolutely horribly. Yeah. The movie is called yeah, the movie, as I just said, it's called Night Riders. It came out April first, nineteen eighty one. Technically April ish, because it was released in different cities at different times. It was directed a big surprise to me by George yeah, Romero. It was. I think I paused it. I said, huh? I said, what? Really? <laughs> Not George Romero Jr.? That would Not explain George. some of the um, the faces in this, but go ahead. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Uh, starring Ed Harris, Gary Leite, Tom Savini, Stephen King, Brother Blue, Martin Ferrero, who I actually like seeing Martin Ferrero in there, and Ken Foray. Had to put him in there. Yes. He was Man that we Walmart. met. Yes. At uh, Spooky Empire, couldn't have been nicer. Probably did not mention the fact that he was in Night Riders. <laughs> if we did, <laughs> he would. <was, he> <laughs> Otherwise, you'd have been like, "Man, get the hell out of here!" Yeah. Beating me to death with his like with his chair. Super nice, dude. Yeah. Uh, here's the synopsis. You're being you guys generous listen. when you say that Stephen King stars in this movie. I know, I know, <laughs> but I just wanted to make sure that people knew that there was maybe a reason to watch this. <laughs> no, there isn't. No. Uh, let, let's do the, the synopsis here. Uh, this is the reason why I was like, oh, Rob, maybe if, if even if it's not good, he can explain it to me. A medieval reenactment troop, reenactment troop find it increasingly difficult to keep their family-like group together with pressure from local law enforcement, interest from entertainment agents, and a growing sense of delusion from their leader. Okay. <laughs> I, think I, I think I got that kind of, but let, let's go with initial thoughts here, guys. Uh, my very first thought was, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> Within minutes of Ed Harris, um, presumably, well, finishing, um, his love making in the woods. And then, yeah, he's whipping himself in a, in a damn a river. Which, yeah, that's not... Self-flagellation. Like, 
they never touch. And then he's got a sword and I'm like, okay. And then he's on a motorcycle and it's just like, what? Yeah. But let me, I don't think we mentioned it. This movie is about people in modern times pretending basically for show to do, to put on big jousting tournaments and things like that. On motorcycles. Inexplicably, they use motorcycles, which because horses weren't a thing in Pennsylvania in 1981. (laughs) Well, one of the writers or I can't remember the second unit directors or or someone convinced that convinced Ramiro not to use horses. (laughs) This movie, I think, would have been better in so many levels if they had used horses. Yeah. Uh, probably yeah. not as easy to make, but far better if yeah. they had. Yeah. Except, except for that last scene, which we'll get to. That last scene would have been way worse if it was a horse. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Uh, Rob, what do you think? I was watched this with him, by the way. I, you did. And I, I kept going, what the fuck is this guy's problem? I don't, I don't understand. It's the basically to me, the movie was was a bunch of because this was a 70s movie and it was basically it seemed like they brought in the hippie culture and wanted to contrast it with the uh commercial culture or the um capitalist so mm-hmm. it's basically a bunch of hippies who are trying to make money to live the way that they want to live but they don't want to make enough money to live that they the way that they want to live and they just want to bitch about not being able to live that they the way that they want to live because they can't make any money and it's like well, you could easily solve this effing problem, moron. I mean, what? I don't understand what the conflict is here. I don't get it. That's uh, yeah. There's two groups yeah. basically, as Rob said, and the leader or the king is starting to see that for some his. I don't understand how he's seeing that his group is getting that much popular because you don't really see much changing in the crowds, mm-hmm. right? But but he doesn't want to quote unquote sell out. And I, there is a little bit of this in George Romero's life or a little bit of George Romero's life in this, because the movie I think he did right before this was Dawn of the dead, which was a huge hit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he got a boatload of money and he had always done stuff independently, but a boatload of money from studios means studio interference. And I think that, he saw himself in Morgan, who was played by Tom Savini, who was the one that actually was willing to sell out and, only did for like what appeared to be just a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't really sell out because he broke the contract and didn't get paid. He just goes to some pool party and comes back with these even more fucking ridiculous looking outfits and all is well. <laughs> and he, I'm like, yeah, he goes, where did uh, that shit happen? He goes to a pool party. He hangs out with a bunch of girls in bikinis. He, uh, Ask for dope, 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 dope. Yeah, and that's like that's the end. By the way, I think now is the time to mention as because we're going to be talking about this for a little while. But the movie is two and a half fucking hours long. What? <laughs> it was like, it, it, wait, I, wait, wait, wait for it, wait for it. However, how long was the original cut? Greg? The original cut that George Romero turned in to the theater. The first cut, seventeen hours. 
You, I would poke my eyeballs out. This is some bullshit. What did they like film everybody? Like every time they went to the bathroom and shit, they just, they just left the camera running. I think is what it was. They filmed this over two days and just left the camera running. (laughs) They they broke for lunch and the guy just set the camera on the ground. And then like the camera was just like the side of a garbage can. (laughs) (laughs) It's that for 14 and a half hours. Yeah, I could not imagine watching this movie at two and a half hours i immediately apologized to rob when i saw that it was weird getting getting ready to start i go oh shit <laughs> like you what messaged me at 1 a.m and said it's really long i'm sorry yes i apologize yeah <laughs> i didn't know anything about it i wanted to try something new literally last week when we were recording i looked up uh, forgotten movies of the 80s and <laughs> this one is better left forgotten but so my I'm my, more interested in the in the zombie biker movie that Jimmy posted in the chat than I was in this movie. True. So let me get my initial thoughts here. I did not, as I said before, like eight times, I did not know this existed. But my initial thoughts were I really wanted to try something new and I wanted something that would have nothing to do with any current events just because I didn't want to deal with that at the moment. Mm-hmm. And sure as shit, I it, couldn't even escape it there. Nope. There literally was a, an abusive police officer in this. I'm like, ah, oh, you fucking kidding me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, I can't even get away from that. So let, let's talk about the opening of this movie. Which I you, just did. That shit was up. stupid. So they open it to make it look like it's a real medieval movie, medieval movie, right? It like, worked. He's, mm-hmm. He's cleaning in the water. There's like a, it's like a bird's eye shot. Literally, mm-hmm. there's like a bird. He's flagellating himself for whatever reason. We don't know why. Never like they never explain never. anything. He just he just it's part of his morning ritual. He just gets up and whips himself. Like, like, oh, what the found a nice stick. Let me just yeah. That, and <laughs> Let me beat myself with it. <laughs> this is Ed Harris two years removed from being in the right stuff, which made him a star. Uh, he like before this is before the right stuff and he's got his wife the queen he find out he's the king he's got his quote-unquote wife the queen which i guess is his girlfriend i was gonna say was it really his wife i mean he just kind of passes her off <laughs> yeah <laughs> that there's like no... take my woman <laughs> yeah and there's sure. this little so then the story opens up and there was a lot of conversation about this one weapon that they were using in their shows that they were going to do. And it's, it's an actual mace and they make a bit, this like giant conversation that really you could tell was like almost word for word, like something that someone that actually worked in that industry would talk about, about like velocity of chains and impact and like all this random stuff that like a regular movie writer really wouldn't know. Yeah. It was just mm-hmm. like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And they're talking about this one mace. Like, well, that's actually metal. You know, my, and you're like, well, he's got his battle axe. Like, yeah, but it's made of rubber, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, okay, someone's getting killed. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, someone is going to get hit with this mace and die, but it never revisits. No. I mean, granted, there were some pretty brutal wipeouts. The dude that, that hit the, the side of the ramp was pretty impressive. There was the ramp. Well, it, there was the one where the bike flipped forward yeah. and the dude got face like, planted right, right in front of the bike. And uh-huh. I, I mean, we were watching it and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that was my reaction as well. So there are some, Damn. there's some pretty painful looking stunts in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I mean, if you're looking with a uh, motorcycle jousting, it, is not a great action movie. It's it's actually looks as if 
a bunch of us got together and decided to motorcycle joust. It's about as exciting as it's about as exciting as like if you all if we all sat on desk chairs and jousted with like wrapping paper rolls. That's about the excitement level I thought I got. Yeah. Yep. Um, because there was nothing that I was like, oh, that looks awesome. No, it was all just, oh god, what? Like, okay. Like, slowly trying to turn around. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's Turning so, out in circles and shit in the dirt. And it's just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. What was? Why did I just hear a engine? That's out. That's outside my window. It was, was pretty impressive. Perfect but, timing. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I do it here, you know. outside and make sound effects and shit for me. <laughs> it was like, like, yeah, a like, foley artist outside of his window. <laughs> like, shit, it's got a dude Nobody's working like in me film right now. So, <laughs> so they do that. Then they sh- they have their first show, and you kind of see what their show entails, which I just talked about. There is a giant crowd there of just these disgusting, like. Well, we'll just call them Pittsburgh people because I'm allowed to use the term because that's pretty much where it was filmed. One of which being Stephen King as mm-hmm. he's credited Hoagie as Hoagie Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just covered in 70s face hair and hoagie bits and cocaine. The big old buck teeth. Yeah. yeah. And cocaine. Lots of cocaine. So much cocaine. Probably. Um, now, Stephen King was actually on the set because he was working on Creep Show with George A. Romero. So um, he was was written into that. He's a uh, a uh, a spectator who uh, he's not really buying into it. He's, he says it's all fake. He's a skeptical mm-hmm. spectator is what I was trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. He's just, oh, they're just like wrestling. It, it, they got little, <laughs> he was like, they got little blood capsules that they put in their mouths. Uh, which that that was pretty funny that was probably the highlight of the movie is the unexpected Stephen King cameo not for me there's one other highlight in this movie for me we'll get to that all right so they do this whole this whole sequence and basically there's a guy that's kind of I I guess the rules and now Rob is this even a thing the rules are like you have this epic battle and I guess the king has his his knights which are his warriors that will protect him if he goes out there and loses and that the king actually isn't just a dude playing the king, he sort of controls the group. Is that even close to a thing? So. Yeah, I didn't think I, so. Either. No, I don't think so because most of the, most of the Ren fairs that I go to are businesses. Yeah. The king doesn't control shit. <laughs> Can you imagine if like at, mid- at medieval times, if like the king falls and the next day there's like this guy ruling with an iron fist, he's like, you're all fired. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty clever in calling this movie. I said this movie should have been called Medieval Fallen on Hard Times. <laughs> but the thing that kills me is they didn't have to be. They had opportunities. They just refused to take them and then bitched about, you know, the thing falling apart. And, I'm like, and here's the whole thing about that for me, Rob, was, okay, how long have they been doing this? If they're just now realize they couldn't have been doing this shit for more than a month. I mean, it, well, they keep picking up people. 
Yeah. And I'm like, all right, so you're just a group you're not you're just a group of roving hippies that doesn't really want to do and they're kind of using this as a gimmick, I guess, to make a little bit of extra money, but it's not feeding the group and the group is getting irritated and they want to leave and he's like, "No, you can't leave. You'll come back." And it's like, "Not if they can't friggin' eat, yeah. they won't." What the hell? Just just oh. And I've been to Ren Fairs with Rob or Ren Fair with Rob. Mm-hmm. And it is a big sprawling situation there's a lot to see there's a lot of booths and vendors and events and gymnasts and shows and all sorts of stuff and this Mm -hmm. one is basically a circle where they joust three sets of bleachers and like three sets of shops that are selling beads yeah yeah and i'm like this is (laughs) i was like uh i might get budgetary constraints for the movie and all that whatever but like they didn't even try to make it look bigger than that like you cannot imagine no. families wanting to come to this multiple times other than to be like, like you could expect drunk dudes. And uh, there were a lot of, of them. Yeah. And speaking of drunk dudes, they did have the, um, the aggressive drunk father who beats his daughter just a tie in from last week's movie. We always have those tie ins week to week that we didn't mean and, to. And there was nothing that ever came from that. It was just like, Oh yeah, this guy's an asshole. He beats his wife and probably his daughter and you know, we'll just move on. Yep. What? Yeah. Yeah, was the da- no, there was no impact or effect on the story whatsoever. Well, the daughter does eventually leave and go join up with the night circus thing. Yeah, but then and then the guy breaks up with her and just sends her away. She sent no, he drops her off at the motherfucking house where she's getting beat, and he's like, "All right, see ya, have a good life, the- uh, whatever, you know, go back to your abusive father." This is another one of those. I mean, you see it. I'm like, what the? You see it all the time for movies that are that are this old. A woman falls in love with a man in an hour and then she throws everything else out the window. Now, granted, it wasn't a great situation, but by the end of the first event, they're boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. And she was like cheering for him like aggressively. Yeah. So it's just like, man, shit moves quick in the uh, motorcycle traveling Ren Faire carnival circuit, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I am looking up the name of that actress again because she was in. What did I say she was in? She was in uh, uh, Army of Darkness, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said she was in. Yeah, she played was, Julie Dean. If you're looking for it, yeah, Patricia Tallman. She played Julie, and they only said her name like eighty times. Oh, she was Barbara in Night of the Living Dead, uh, the two nineteen ninety version of Night of the Living Dead. Okay, looks like that. She. It looks way younger than that. Oh yeah, with uh, with Tony Todd. Yeah. So that is. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's yeah, her and her tight see through sweater. Yeah. Um, there's so yeah, there's that. Now, I, if you look up any information about this movie, which of course we had to, that there apparently the subplot, which was not at all spelled out was that that guy realized by being with her, this is, again, someone else wrote this, Not you could not figure this out from the movie. This is probably in the 15 hours of footage that was cut. Yeah, she, he, re, the dude realized that he was actually in love with the queen and that was, and was only like using her to salve that wound that he could not be with the queen, which is why, and when he realized he was using her, he dropped her off at home. Yeah. That Again, all, you could watch this movie 4,000 times and never figure that out. It just because, because literally all of the footage that would have explained that 
was cut from the film <laughs> yeah. and instead was just motorcycles driving around in circles. Yeah. Yeah. So so he just looks like an asshole. Um, and he he really he might exchange a couple of looks with the air quotes queen. I don't think he even did Maybe, that. Yeah, not even that. It's, it's never. I mean, it, oh, this movie was so fucking stupid. And uh, Ed, you mentioned asshole, so we got to talk about Ed Harris. Oh yeah, Rob super. Wanted to punch super the ass. king in the face. Super ass. Super <laughs> ass. He's just an asshole. He's like, he is. we have to preserve our way of life. Which... So everyone must starve. Yeah. We can't accept money to do what it is that we're doing to make money. There's a wait, what? A kid comes up to him at one of these yes. events. Oh, what a day. He's like, hey, my name's Billy. And I'm a big just like just you. like you. I'm a big fan of yours. You know, I basically I want to be just like you. And I saw you in this magazine. And I, you know, can you sign it for me? He could have just been like, yeah, sure. Here you go, kid. And then Mm -hmm. conferred with his knights. But he is like, oh, I didn't approve of this. And it's it's the whole, uh, I guess, concept of selling out. That he's yeah, punk, straight punk attitude. Uh, yeah, like punk rock. I mean, George A. Romero was r- really punk rock in that sense. Um, where even Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, they all had these societal deep meanings and references and stuff like that. And he tried to do that in this movie. It was one of them that just fell flat on its face and just makes Ed Harris, the king, look like an asshole. For not signing mm-hmm. this kid's fucking magazine. And st- just sign the yeah. magazine, you dick. And then uh Morgan, Tom Savini's character, um, he signs it, and I guess he's kind of like, Oh, hey, you know, we could actually make money off of this. And everybody there enjoys what they're doing. So why not make a little more money? Yeah. They're not changing anything. Yeah. Now, this right after that scene, this is just to explain one of the ways that Ed Harris is an asshole. He's one of those that y- you never hear his part of the argument before he starts screaming it. So someone will be someone is like, oh, you should have signed that kid's magazine. He, he looks at you as a hero. And Ed, Ed Harris, and I can actually scream since my child is not here. He was like, I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm fighting the dragon. What? What does that even the mean? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I, just angrily uh, screams. I I've I've heard as as the whole cycle of uh, sorry for going to a a dark place here, but the the cycle of chasing the dragon um, where an addict is constantly searching for that first tie, the same feeling that they had. And I'm like, oh, it's going to turn into that. Like he's he's doing this because he's a drug addict and this is keeping him sober. No, oh, no, it never, I mean, it could, it could have been that. And if it was, it would have been a better movie. Yeah. But that might've been, it might've been in the, out in the that might've been in the 15 hours that was exactly. removed. Exactly. So it, but instead it just comes out. There's no fucking dragons in this movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that those 15 hours were removed. Yeah. Oh, both, yeah. Jim, both Jimmy and Rob would have murdered me like, on the air. Holy shit. A dragon's gonna show up at one of their fairs, and they're gonna have to band back together and fight a dragon, and it's gonna be awesome. 
No, it was just terrible. Prove the asshole right along. <laughs> the dragon yeah. shows up and starts eating the funnel cake booth. Bad. It turns into some <laughs> crap ass movie about capitalism and just completely lost. It was so, it was a it was a total anti-capitalism movie yeah. that didn't make sense because all they had to do was just make a little bit of money and everything would have been fine. Yeah. So you since we're going down that route, that you mentioned uh, uh, that the one guy does sell out. That uh, Morgan is the character. Yeah, he does quote unquote sell out, and I thought it was really weird that selling out meant going to Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> What? Okay. Like, why is it Washington D.C.? Is it like it's not L.A., Los Angeles, or, or New York? Because that's the center of capitalism. Apparently, it is. That is where all Renfair capitalism happens. If you if you make it big on the Renfair circuit, you will soon be going to D.C. Yeah, that's <laughs> where you're making a stance against capitalism. So obviously, it, everything that stems from capitalism has to come from Washington D.C. So if you sell out, you have to go to Washington D.C. Apparently, it, it, I yeah, guess. It, but he was I think he was doing he was trying to do is hide the fact that it was about him by saying D.C. because he was really pissed off about having to go. He wanted to continue making movies in Pennsylvania. He didn't want to go to Los Angeles. Well, he but, should have. He just should not have made this one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they do go. I think the final straw for him to not want to sell out, at least Morgan's final straw to not want to sell out, is a drunken party. He does leave with a few of the people. Uh, there is a drunken party in a hotel room with people collapsing out of nowhere and just doing stupid things. There was a party yeah, he, on the... And he uh, sees what capitalism does to his friends, and it turns him into fighting drug-using assholes. Yeah. Oh, and he also has to dress up in leather... Bikinis. Uh, and take a picture sitting on the title of the movie. <laughs> Which was, oh man, that's up there with a picture of Burt Reynolds um, in yep. front of the fire. And mm-hmm. uh, Zardoz, Zardoz yeah, in the, the red. Oh man, I, dude, I, I took a picture of the scene right before that where he's, he's having a romp with the woman at the pool because he's in this tiny speedo. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, this is funny. And I took a picture of it. <laughs> and then the next scene, he's on top of all that text in that little loincloth. And I just burst out laughing. I went, I found the picture and I went to post it on our Instagram and you had already done it. <laughs> and it's, it's my contribution to the world, if nothing else, it's coming up with Tom Sadreamy. <laughs> so you're welcome. Oh for that. Now, was that your highlight of the film, Greg? That was my yeah. highlight of the film. The, the The grossest part of the film was also a little bit before this when the the sex scene with the pizza, oh, which a overweight documentarian is having sex with uh, one of the members of the cast. They could have the, been the prior models. Prior. Yeah. You know, they they and, could have been, you know, anything else, and it would have still been a gross. I mean, it was just weird. The pizza was so gross. It looked like, you know, there's always that joke, like even bad pizza is good pizza. Oh. 
this looked so disgusting. It looked like someone had chewed the entire pizza and spit it back and tried to form it back into a pizza. Yeah, ugh. And then then Ed Harris took the pizza and just threw it at this guy. Yeah, throws it at the agent. (laughs) By the way, Jimmy, did you you recognize the agent? I certainly did. However, I don't know his name. Uh, Who was he, Jimmy? He's in a bunch of shit. His name is Martin Ferrero, but he is one of the most famous specifically. He's one of the most famous. He's on the Jurassic Park. Yep. 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 <laughs> as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like every time I see that guy, that's that because that scene actually was pretty shocking back in the day. Yeah, it was. Uh, so instead, we're the- going to review Jurassic Park. <laughs> so just just closing out, we're not sort of closing out here. We are going to talk a little bit about. Uh, there is this ongoing injury. St- there's a bunch of <sighs> ongoing stories throughout this movie that don't do anything. The king has an injury and shouldn't be performing for whatever reason and never seems to heal throughout the entire thing uh the guy that sells out comes back with some new motorcycles that are cleaner i guess very clearly fucking pool noodles spray painted silver yes they are like Mm -hmm. that's exactly what i said dumb looking and their armor looks cool i guess but there's until you see it up close yeah and there's no way that you're going to look a motorcycle helmet with a big ass, you know, fashioned into a, a knight's helmet. There's no way you're going to make that look cool. They just look like stupid ass medieval bobbleheads. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was just, yep. nobody was like, Hey George, um, this shit looks stupid. Is it just blows my mind. Cause it did <laughs> look fucking yeah. dumb. In like not remotely as badass as the poster, even. Uh, no. So they all get back. The king is like, "I'm going to step down," which I don't really remember him saying. But this is again from like a review. Uh, the king is like, "I'm going to set to step down. We're going to have one last big tournament, and it, whoever gets knocked off of your bike is out. There's not going to be any of the the melee. Is that what it's called? Melee fighting when they get off mm-hmm. of the bike. Yeah. So, won't be any of this. The once you're down, you're down." Uh, not mealy, like I've heard a bunch of people mealy. say. <laughs> that that Ugh. drives me insane. Yeah. No melee fighting. It's just, and whoever the last person standing is going to be the new king. So, of course, Morgan, who sold out, saw the better life and decided to come back. In he ends 35 up minutes. We ends up waiting in an action packed 35, somewhere between 35 minutes and an hour and a half, wins uh, this battle. Uh, so he, this is all of the things that happen in this sequence. Uh, Morgan ends up victorious. He ends up crown getting crown king by Billy, <laughs> who's like smiley and puts his Billy's the king, current king. Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris, Angie, who has been the tr- the troops mechanic, who's like you know always got grease on her face and who's is a- always being cheated on by Morgan. Yeah. They're an item, yeah. but she he treats her like shit. He he mm-hmm. goes off. He sleeps with any woman who who would. Yep. Uh, so she ends up becoming queen, even though she was always covered in bicycle in cycle grease. Uh, Lynette, who was the queen before, just walks away, and we thought that he, she was with the king, Billy, yep. and she ends up going with Alan, who had just dropped off the girl that was beat. Yeah, this is as dumb as it sounds, it's guys really out there bad. that have not seen this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it goes off. 
to this guy that who had just basically thrown his ex-girlfriend back with her abusive alcoholic father. So she's going to end up with him. Mm-hmm. And 17 hours couldn't have made this shit make sense. And uh, no, I I think it could have. I I think a lot of the stuff that would have made a lot of the threads make sense in this film were probably cut and they just threw some shit together and just continuity be damned. And they didn't give a crap whether or not any of the threads were explained or anything. And it just made the whole movie complete. You're right. Yeah. And but there'd be no way that I would sit through that. Not, Not in one sitting, not in two, not in five. I mean, maybe out of sheer curiosity, would would I watch maybe it to, over? Maybe to get the terrorists to confess. Just let them watch this movie <laughs> yeah. for 17 hours. <laughs> okay. What okay, the fuck is it. happening? I'll tell you everything. There, yeah. There was actually some stuff, even though the movie was not great. There was a few things that were way ahead of the t- of their time, though. There was absolutely a sequence where that was sort of underplayed in which some, a man fell in love with another man, which I thought was kind of interesting for 1981. There was, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, there was also some blatant racism, both mm-hmm. in a song that they were singing, uh, which was a, was a, apparently a racist song when I looked it up, which I don't remember right now. Mm-hmm. And the, and the N word, I was like, Oh, that's yes. there. Use, uh, uh I mean, it's it's never used appropriately, but it's it's used yeah. when um, uh, a person is, is explaining why he was beaten in jail. Um, yeah, and 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 the, uh, after he's beaten in jail. Course, yeah, and of course the the police officer that did not get his paperwork signed properly does, of course, mention that it's not such a great thing to be in a prison in a small town, which is accurate. And of course, they have the cop beating the hell out of the the two people that get arrested. Where when Rob was correct when he said that when the one person volunteered to be arrested, I don't think that can be a thing. Yeah, yeah you, me too. Uh, was, okay. Oh man, there was the weirdest reaction in there where clearly this event had been happening. This this fat slob of a corrupt cop was beating um, Ed Harris's friend. He'd already been in. He'd already been doing this for some time, and Ed Harris's reaction to this one scene scared the shit out of me because he like jumps at the bars and starts screaming. I was like, ah! It's a completely <laughs> unintentional jump scare, but yeah. And then, man, there's actually, like we're talking about a lot of random shit, and then there's still stuff I'm somehow missing. Uh, so yeah, like just just guys remember there was a, a corrupt cop beating the shit out of these guys. Well, this movie's a lot of random shit anyway. Yeah, and then like I don't remember the the Native American dude, the Ingle, the silent Ingle, eagle crested knight. I don't remember him from early in the movie. Did he just gotta show up at some point? He was at <laughs> yeah. one of the um like the little exhibition they did in town. Mm-hmm. And okay. they're like putting up and and Ed Harris's character, he had talked with Merlin. He was there during the parade. Yeah. The parade that they went through. Well, the they town. only show him. Uh, he, he's just like in the ground and he just like looks. And then he ends up basically part of the crew and he's you know, kind of the part of, part of me. that haunts yeah. Ed Harris's visions and dreams. 
And then it becomes his page. He wasn't even there at all. Like he was just because like Ed Harris basically had blood poisoning from a wound that never healed. (laughs) Was slowly hallucinating this guy. Or he was just anemic because it just kept bleeding. And he, yeah. There was a a bunch of Nazi bikers that took over and stole their weapons. And like just to prove how this movie did not ever give you the payoff you wanted. They chased down the Nazi bikers and the guy's like, give me that weapon. The Nazi biker's like, okay. He's like, hands hey, you, you have some impressive writing. Can I have my weapon back? And the guy was like, okay, cool. Here you go. And he goes, watch out for that barn. And he goes, huh? And he runs into the side of a barn. That was it. <laughs> and then there's like another sequence where like, you know, when you're driving around on the highway and you see those things like, you know, like boiled peanuts, five miles. And then, you know, alligator jerky, at least in Florida, it's alligator jerky. And then they'll have like oranges and grapefruits mm-hmm. and whatever they have like the little signs and they show the guy driving through the same sign like six times in a row to try to prove that he's driving through a bunch of signs That's on like, the side of the road okay. <laughs> over and over again the same clip basically like, oh, this is bad okay and then and then it tries to get deep and so I will, miserably yep so billy leaves the king he leaves as he's dethroned, he leaves the troop and rides off with the brand new. Wait, uh, night. Oops, first, sorry. he stops into a diner where he finds this fat, <laughs> disgusting slob of a police officer. The one who beat up his friend. And he, yep. he sits down in front of him at the table. This this scene was was pretty funny, in my opinion. He punches him in the face and then he beats his ass all over the restaurant. And while he's beating his, he'll like knock a plate of food over and the cashier's standing there and she's ringing it up. And, and it, the tilt just goes higher. Everything that he so knocks funny. over, she that just was, rings up. That was the funniest part of that the movie. Was actually, yeah, that, that was that was actually the, funny. The funniest that was the highlight of the movie, by the way. <laughs> Not funny. I mean. Ching, ching, ching. Yeah, does that. <laughs> It's and it was fifty six dollars at the end. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was really that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was fifty six dollars. Gets on his motorcycle then, rides off with this guy, this eagle crested, silent knight, basically the knight from, uh, or basically the Native American from Wayne's World two, who never says a single word. Still in convinced. The entire it was, still convinced. Movie. It was in his head. Um, goes off, and as he's driving away. He's fa- he looks off and he fantasizes. First of all, they drive by actual they drive by actual horses. Mm. Yeah, and I pointed that out. <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> like, oh, maybe I'm like, you could have used those. What the hell? And then he's fantasizing that he's actually riding a horse and jousting with a horse. And then immediately you hear the sound of a semi horn, and you just Fucking see motorcycle parts obliterated. You just see motorcycle parts scattered everywhere. The Native American comes to a stop, looks down, doesn't seem all that and amused, just and like, then everyone, huh. so well, everyone's at a funeral for this guy, and yeah. that is basically how it ends. Well, and he pulled he pulled a city of angels, like like uh, Meg Ryan on her bike, you know, just you know, arms out, looking up at the sky while he's riding now. his motorcycle at eighty miles an hour down the street, you know. It's like okay. in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, yeah. having driven in Pittsburgh, you don't ever want to do that. There is a lot of potholes. 
a lot of potholes. Yeah. Motorcycles in Pittsburgh, a lot of gravel on the road. So that's the movie we watched. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I highly suggest watching this movie so that we aren't the only, so that you, we aren't the only three people that watched this movie recently. Uh, Should this movie be remade? Hell no. No. Where, where's that gif of Tracy Morgan in, uh, in pop out? Nope. Nope. No, hell no, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, no, what? No, hell no. It's like what? This movie is shit. No, yeah, that is correct. Should not be made. Uh, I am. There's a part of me that thinks that they should go ahead and just erase the careers of everyone involved with this movie, except for Ed Harris's. He and I would have said that, but Ed Harris went on to do some great things. Or Romero. And Romero well, Tom as well. Savini as well. Ken Foray was in yeah. a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah. No, it's all been negated. Yeah. <laughs> they should take away any awards that any of these Sorry, people won. Like, like you won the Academy. You Award. were in that friggin' mo- No, you get nothing. Yeah, you, it's like so and so. Won award award for, from Earth, <laughs> I want to from Earth to the Moon. Nope, sorry, you did not win that I award anymore. Get, walk up to Ed Harris and be like, "So, Night Riders, Night Riders," and see what he, he absolutely <laughs> loved being in this movie. I saw an inter- I, I looked up an interview with him. He said that it was one of the most fun shoots he's ever I'm been sure. on. Sure, said that George Romero was very artistic, and uh, you know, it was probably a lot of drugs. It, uh, there was a lot of drinking and partying, which he did say. Oh yeah, because uh, they they got rained out a bunch. Because there was there was a rainstorm that flooded the a barn they were going to shoot in, and it destroyed all their sets. So there was just a lot of partying. Drink. Yep, and apparently just filmed sixteen hours of doing keg stands, drinking out of their knights helmets. But yeah, this yes. should not be remade. I don't. I don't understand. What could have been in that other 15 hours they got cut? Because there was nothing in the two and a half hours that they posted or that they, that they put out. I'm like, what What the hell was was on the rest of that 15 hours that just wasn't even good enough to make this shit storm? I'm like, what the? If we ever find that 17 hour cut, we will live stream Rob watching it and slowly going insane. Oh, my God. By the end of it, he will be smearing Bible passages passages on the wall in his own feces. (laughs) 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 Like, dude, you're only three and a half hours in. (laughs) You've got so much more. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So should we should we uh, I think that answers your questions out there, guys. Let's answer our question. Which is going to be a little bit weird because Rob answered the wrong one because he didn't. We it was technically the right one, but we changed it and he didn't get the message. Well, Jimmy has answers to that question. I have as answers well, to so. both. So what y'all want to do? Okay. So y'all get we're you guys out there. This has been a nice clean episode. So let's do it. Um, we'll start off with the five worst movie debuts okay. because this was an Ed Harris movie debut. Uh, and then we'll do that. I'll do that one. Jimmy, you'll answer that one. And then you can ask the next one, Jimmy. And then you can answer. I don't have an answer to that one yet. So we're going to do two questions this week. Thank you, Rob. Uh, five worst movie debuts based because of this movie and Ed Harris, this being Ed Harris's starring movie debut. Uh, Jimmy, go ahead. Oh, wait, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to go with my number five. Uh, Angelina Jolie in Cyborg 2, Glass Shadow. Oh. Cyborg movies never stood up no. to what uh, to what you would want them to be. Uh, my number that was my number five. 
I'm numbering these as we go here. Uh, number four, Courtney Cox in Masters <laughs> of the Universe. Oh, All God. Right. Uh, number three, Nicole Kidman in BMX Bandits. <laughs> oh, another one of those. Another one of those BMX movies that we will probably watch in sometime in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was number three. Number two, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who actually was billed as Arnold Strong in Hercules in New York, which it was, it was a terrible movie, but it did make him a star. And Sylvester Stallone is my number one the, in the party at Kitty and Studs, which is actually a softcore porn movie that was also known as the Italian Stallion when it was released again. I don't know how that works, but Sylvester Stallone, uh, in his defense, he was homeless at the time and he needed the $200 that he got paid to be in this got movie. Got him out of the bus station. Yep. You saw that article. Yeah, well. yep. Got him. He was living in a bus station. So that was my number one. Sylvester Stallone, the party at Kitty and Studs, which will not be getting covered on this show. Though it is a <laughs> awesome song by 80s Stallone. The Ooh, artist. I, I, I gotta we gotta get 80 stallone on that the dude, show. i, I would just laugh the whole time yeah he's awesome yeah so we will uh we will attempt to do that actually uh hopefully soon all right so my uh my five is going to be starting with nicole kidman and bmx bandits which uh we might nice, also nice. have to cover at some point as well so i'm arranging these as i'm going as well my number four is going to be arnold schwarzenegger as hercules in new york uh my number three is going to be uh let's go with uh ed harris here in knight riders my number two courtney cox masters of the universe and my number one as well it's last alone himself at party at Kitty and Studs. Uh, later nice. renamed to the Italian Stallion after the success of Rocky. So trying to uh, piggyback off of uh, off of his uh, his new fame. Nice. Okay, so now wait. Oh, right. Putting together a list, I think. I I might have something for you. Just real quick. See, now I'm going to have to um, try together a list. I really want to watch that Party at Kitty and Studs. <laughs> so, maybe we'll have to cover I'm, <sighs> God, I Crap, I need one more. I'll just throw this one in there. That's what she said. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. He's just right. drawing well, a picture no, of a weird. This, this episode, I usually take notes on when we fuck up and when the episode like goes astray. So far, I've not had to write down a single note. Jimmy, your edit I'll, is going to be so yep. easy. Just like I'll Peter. leave Mila Kunis off the list for piranhas. Okay. Okay. Uh, or piranha. Um, I'll I'll start the list with Leonardo DiCaprio in Critters, Critters Three. Three. Oh. Definitely going to put Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. Oh, man. At four. At three, I'll do Courtney Cox Mm -hmm. in Masters of the Universe. At two, I've got Arnold. Hercules in New York. And at number one, I got to put Sylvester (laughs) Stallone in there, too. Overwhelming. Uh, 
number one. The rare threefer. Stallone is going to beat our asses. Also, honorable mention, Tom Cruise and Endless mm-hmm. Love. Yeah, yeah I, I was really thinking Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> but he had actually been in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, but he ended up famous because of uh, Dazed and Confused, and then they actually released that movie, which had been shot before. Mm-hmm. So, And I was going to put Clooney in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but that was not his debut. Yeah, that oh, was, yeah. Um, yeah. was that? His, his debut was Return to yeah. Horror High. Yep. So there's that. So so you guys came up with that list. Go ahead and now let's do the other one. Why not? We'll give our we'll give our fans two lists. Yeah, you two, get two tonight. It's a special night here at the Give Me Five podcast. So the uh, the other question for this week is going to be um, the top five films from actors or directors who stepped outside of their comfort zone with. Uh, with disastrous or not good results. So there are a lot of good ones. Uh, there are more good ones than there are bad ones, but this list we are going to focus on the bad this time, and I'll go ahead and kick things off. My number five is going to be the uh, what was supposed to be a pirate epic movie, Pirates from Roman Polanski. Who is a piece of shit for other okay. reasons, but uh, he makes my list for that reason. And what what was his normal uh, horror like drama, horror drama, drama kind of so stuff, drama, like thriller, slow, slow burn drama? Yeah, he, he does some yeah, Rosemary's so, Baby, <laughs> which okay. I'm literally reading a book about it right now. But I was trying to think of the other ones, like it. Yeah. Um, just for example here. Now, this is where the list gets a little bit difficult. Uh, number four is going to be a man that we talked about very recently. That is Wes Craven with Music of the Heart, where he directed a film mm. um, about a, a music teacher uh, based on a true story. This after becoming famous for his uh, foray into horror um, didn't know he directed pornos before that <laughs> actually uh, number three is going to be Sam Raimi with his baseball film for the love of the game which was for the love of not good number two Michael Bay with pain and gain um, <laughs> he stepped away from his explosive roots Oh God, that movie! I forgot. I mean, I didn't forget about that movie, but for a moment, I actually liked that movie because I, it was the only thing I had to watch on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. So it kept me. Uh, and it was an airplane out. It was a flight after I had been stuck in Cincinnati for like five or six hours. So wow! It, for that ride, it was the best thing I'd ever oh, God, seen. Something other than Cincinnati. Mud. Um, yeah. <laughs> no offense, Cincinnati. At least no, you're not well aware. Number one, eat, eat, eat my dick, Cincinnati. <laughs> hey, you're in Delaware. Number one is the film we reviewed this week, Night Riders by George A. Romero. Thank you for everything that you did, sir. Just not this, except for that. 
<laughs> Excellent. Do you want me to go next, Greg? Or do you have your list? Uh, go ahead. I am still okay. I'm formulating a list. Life <laughs> so I I have. I have two questionable ones that I will ask for a judgment on. I do right. have um, one that I can substitute in because I completely forgot about it. Um, in fact, one I will substitute in. But at number five, I'm going to put director David Fincher, who has done a number of movies, but his first movie was Alien 3. Mm. And it was... It was not good. And he has, it, looking through the list of movies that I saw, he stayed away from sci-fi completely after that movie. I don't hate Alien 3. It, it just wasn't I good. I don't hate it. it it's a very the, claustrophobic the story film. wasn't fantastic. There's, yeah, there's it wasn't that. a fantastic story, though. But, uh... It was ahead of its time graphically, and the, visu- the visuals were not good. That was the... I thought the, the reason why I didn't like it was the 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 visuals but i actually like the story mm-hmm. mm. i love the end sequence of that movie but go on at, it's your list man at number at number four i'm going to put this is one of one of the two that i'll ask for a judgment on i'm going to put tommy lee jones as two-face in the batman and robin movie i i'd accept that that was i remember seeing that being like step that's what? What is he in that? Stepping into stepping into a supervillain role in like a comic book movie when typically he does um, military good dramas, guys. yeah, dramas uh, and kind of like uh, action stuff. But there was that two like, or three year period where he was in everything, like The Fugitive and that, and right bunch of right. other movies. But, it, but he mostly does dramas, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. When you think Tommy Lee Jones, you think drama. And then he's in this comic book movie and he's just so over the top. I mean, is it's like who thought this was a good idea? This isn't this Not isn't your Tommy world, Blake. man. Stay away from it. Yeah, no. So Tommy Lee Jones is at number four. At number three, I'm going back to Batman and Robin. <laughs> All right. And doing Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Uh, very weird. Yeah. Stepping out of the normal role for Schwarzenegger. Yes. I mean, I mean, when I, when I think Schwarzenegger, I think straight up action star, or, not, not comic book movie. Not yeah. Action hero. I mean, with maybe yeah. the exception of Terminator. Yeah. Don't give him too many lines. Yeah. But it's the combination of really bad writing and bad acting. That yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just just not good. Not good. Shitty movie. (laughs) Yeah, is that my number three? It can be, unless you want to put something else for it. All right. No, that's my number three. Um, My number two is going to be Robert De Niro as the fearless leader in the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. Oh, God, I never saw it. And and he was he was probably bolstered. He was probably bolstered by the success that he had with comedy in Analyze This, which was the year before. And then did this one. And no, no. And then he redeemed himself in Stardust. But this just not this was this was way too far out of his wheelhouse. And it just wasn't 
no, no, stick stick to your stick to your drama gangster stuff, and and we'll be fine. My number one, but I think everything is going to slide down, and David Fincher is going to slide off the list. But my current number one, which will then become number two, is Russell Crowe in Les Misérables. Dude cannot. It's like, why would you even think you could do a musical? <laughs> it just no. Stick with action. You no. Stop it. No, please. Yeah. Cut it out. You're hurting me. But I think everything will slide down because I did not include Romero's Night Riders. So everything will slide down All one right. spot. And that's my five. Nice. There's there's quite a few here. Um, mm-hmm. Some of these, uh, Rob's list of movies is a list of movies that I would absolutely not want to watch. <laughs> Like every time you step on the, ugh, ugh, that. <laughs> yeah. like if you were like, hey, for the next week we're watching the three movies I just talked about, I would quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Well, now we know how to get Greg off the show. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna watch Adventures of Bullwinkle. Eat my balls. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I would throw my glass of water onto my computer and walk away. <laughs> but I've got a few that didn't make it to your list, and the, but and they don't seem quite as bad now because of that um one of which was a movie that actually i did see in the theater and uh cable guy with jim carrey who's known for completely wacky comedy and cable mm-hmm. guy got really freaking dark in a time when he was not known for being being dark and i think it went just too over the top yeah right. um, i understand what they were trying to do with it but it just didn't land um when he yeah. went a little more serious with uh what was the the movie where he was like trapped in the big dome uh, uh, them something show. Truman Truman show. show. Truman show. Everybody thinks like, I uh, that was got my sign off from. Yeah, yeah. further from the truth. <laughs> so that's that's my my number five. Uh, number, Sam Raimi did make it for number mm. four. Um, there was a movie called Trumbo. Yes, recently, two thousand fifteen. It was about censorship it bombed basically it was about free speech and censorship and it was very very political it was directed by mike roach who you might know as the director of the austin powers films stick to comedy on that that's my that's my number three uh number two that one this one came up late because rob said something that made me think of it uh ang lee taking on the incredible hulk oh yeah no putting then thoughts and daddy issues into a movie that's just supposed to be about a dude picking up a tank and throwing it who you don't other see people. for four hours yeah <laughs> the original cut for that also 17 hours <laughs> ironically and where's the hole the yeah. fuck was in that other 15 hours I, <laughs> <laughs> if any of you guys have seen that other cut please let us know uh, and my number one speaking of George Romero Night Riders the rare double twofer which will never ever happen again. <laughs> oh, amazing. In this episode. Oh, love That's it. That's my number one. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's oh, close down here. God. Jimmy, do you know what we're watching I next do. week? I think you. And uh, I swear, they watching this week. was recommended to me after I watched Night Riders, and it somehow magically disappeared off of Prime. So, guys, we're gonna have to sign up for a uh, a um, trial. 
uh, to watch this, but it is the film Gargoyles. I believe it was from 1972. It's a movie that I occasionally caught on TV growing up, and it scared the shit out of me, but now it just looks stupid. So that is... And this was not the cartoon. No, not the amazing the, the cartoon. Uh, we're, we're going back gotcha. to uh, to the 70s. We're going to... Uh, gonna pick from that well again because that works so well for us this yeah. week <laughs> going back to movies that were filmed in the 70s and released in the 80s so guys, if you, uh, <laughs> okay. if you get a chance check out the film god i was hoping you were gonna say that zombie biker movie <laughs> that is well, uh those are not zombies um but we may get to that eventually uh guys you can uh Check out the movie Gargoyles. Email us your thoughts. Find us on Facebook. You can find us there at the Give Me Five Podcast. Email us directly at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Find that lovely, lovely picture of Tom Savini uh, at our handle <laughs> at Give Me Five Pod. And guys, if you could in advance, we'd really appreciate it. Helps us stand out. Uh, you know, and, uh, smash that like button i think that's what i'm supposed to what's say what's up guys this is jimmy don't forget to comment like and subscribe uh leave us a review on uh, itunes if you could whatever podcast app you're listening to and if you really 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 would like to support us further you can check out our store give me five podcast.threadless.com or through the website jimmy. Yeah, rob rob can you step in here for a second? What did you get a compliment on just last week or earlier this week when you were wearing it up and about? I recently picked up a a new shirt from mm-hmm. our site that was the the Blockbuster logo. The Ooh. Give Me Five podcast with the Blockbuster logo on it. And I walked into Dunkin' Donuts and the lady behind the counter goes, oh, man, I love your shirt. I'm like, yes, it's from the podcast. I thought, it was, the, oh, I thought you said it was the fart shirt that got the compliment. Because when I – you were wearing the fart shirt the other day as well. I think – were you wearing the fart shirt when we were watching the movie? I, I wore both of them. I wore I wore one 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 day and one the other day. Nice, nice. And you actually, I got comments on both of them. So <laughs> there you go. Our Blockbuster shirt and our Blockbuster theme shirt. And our farts shirt, which is friends themed and is yeah, glorious. Yeah, so more and, and I want you to know that I wore the farts shirt to Costco and I walked past somebody who was wearing a friend's shirt. And I was like, ah, mine's better. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen two episodes. Get the fuck out of here. Nah. Cool. And uh, of course, we talk about the affiliate stuff that we do with Squadcast quite a bit. If you want to check that out, if you are interested in how we record very far away from each other feel free to go to our website, gimme5podcast.com, Jimmy made, and you can check out our affiliate link and you can, uh, you know, look at Squadcast. And if you sign up, we get a little bit of money, which I like. So, and we have a, and Jimmy's showing us lots of, or Rob is showing you us a bunch of. You can find the full huh? movie, 1972 Gargoyles on YouTube. Thank you, Rob. Excellent. Uh, and of course we also have our Amazon affiliate as well. I know some of you guys use that yep. and all of these things you can find on our website. So thanks for listening guys. Good morning. Good afternoon. And eat my dick. Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs>